Good morning, New Hope. It's not so cold today, which is a good thing if you'd like to take your outlines out. We're in part two, as Martin said, of a series called Confronting. Now, if you have to confront somebody, you know how that feels? Sometimes with an intrepidation, but you still have to do it. You may have to confront a child. You may have to confront an employee. You may have to confront a neighbor who's just chopped down your bushes. (laughs) whatever it may be, but confronting is something we often don't like to do, but it is often necessary. Some people avoid confronting. So the whole series that we're walking through for the next three or four weeks is about confronting, standing up against our culture for what is right. And today, I've named the message Media Smart. Now, you cannot talk about culture without talking about media and TV. It is a very powerful medium. Now, why do I call it medium? A medium? Well, because it's never rare, and it's or is it well done? Some of you are awake this morning. So, people's pathway to information and entertainment are changing. In the old days, we used to have a TV that used to have a cable that went from the closest person to the TV and it was a wired thing. That was your remote. It was ridiculous and that had about two channels. That was about it. In fact, I remember the day when there was one channel. But today, six out of 10 young adults primarily use online streaming. Netflix, Hulu, whatever it may be, to watch TV. But next to working and sleeping, Kiwis spend more time watching TV and consuming media than they do anything else. Now, the Bible says this, first verse on your outline, Matthew chapter 6 and verse 23. Jesus is speaking, your creator, my creator. And he says, your eyes, your eye, excuse me, is the lamp of the body. If, conditional statement, your eyes are good. In other words, stuff that goes in through the eye gate, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are bad, then your body will be full of darkness. Now, what he's talking about here, you go, what the heck is he talking about? Is this an ophthalmological lesson? Is this a lesson in ophthalmology? No. He's talking about the spiritual principle that says our vision determines our values. Our vision determines our values. What you look at has a direct effect on your values. In other words, we are strongly influenced visually by what we see. And if that's true, we are in a lot of trouble. The Bible says here in the King James Version, don't be deceived, evil communication corrupts good character. There's a lot of research coming out. Cover of um, Newsweek says what TV does to kids, what screen time does to kids. Family First have just done a great, well-researched paper on this. And in New Zealand, Dr. Peter Watson's research paper shows that excessive TV viewing by children is an indicator of wider family and social problems and something else, obesity. Well, no, duh. Now, besides its addictive tendencies and trivialization of life and the deadening effects, there are several things I just want to quickly point out, because we have a limited amount of time, that media and TV can do. Media shapes my values is the first one. 
when you're bombarded constantly by commercials saying, you've got to have this kitchen magician. And advertising has a way of turning luxuries into necessities, or so they try and convince you. And I've got to get it. And by the way, you can get the Ginzu knives too if you sign up now and call this number, right? Edwin Newman said people used to get their values, this is back here, from church and school and home. That was back then. Back then. Now, media shapes our values. Number, six, number two, the second deleterious effect of media is it can cause unrealistic expectation. Unrealistic expectations. In other words, it blurs our perception of what reality really is. On TV, have you noticed any problem can be solved in between 30 and 50 minutes? It doesn't matter if it's a suicide or a bankruptcy, or if you have rebellious kids, you can nail it in 30 to 50 minutes. If you have World War III, no sweat, it's a little longer in a movie, maybe an hour 20 with Arnie or one of the boys. We've got it sorted. It'll be resolved by the end of the show. In other words, you get this idea that you can have instant solutions. That is not how life works. There's not instant happiness in marriage. There's not but the fact is that very few problems in life have instant problems. And by the way, I don't know whether you've noticed, I made a few generalized comments here that during most police investigations that you see on TV, it is normally mandatory to at least visit a strip club at least once. Have you noticed that? Most of the time, they have to visit them. A man will show no pain while taking the most ferocious beating, but he always seems to wince when the woman tries to clean his wounds. <laughs> Have you noticed that? And the other obvious factor is that all bombs have big red timers on them with large readouts, and you know exactly when they're going to go off. Have you noticed that? <laughs> Ridiculously unrealistic. And I've also noticed one other strange thing, that the more a man and a woman hate each other in a movie, the more likely it is that they'll fall in love. Have you noticed that? It's unrealistic. Number three. This is a big one. It numbs my sensitivity to suffering. Media numbs my sensitivity to suffering. Well, how does it do that? A couple of ways. Number one, by overexposure. In the BTV, which is before TV days, most of your problems and my problems were local. That happened fairly locally. Now, you wake up and you're facing the whole world's problems. You're bombarded with graphic scenes of devastation around the world. My daughter sees that regularly. A world of hurt. A world of trauma and disaster and crime and graphic scenes. And after a while, your mind and my mind becomes callous and numb and careless. In other words, we don't really care. We're not full of care. We're not careful. We care less. How does media and technology cause us to care less? Well, the first thing I'd point out is we're more obsessed with ourselves. Look at the selfie generation. And there's a lack of personal interaction. Oh, you may have 3,000 followers 
or 300 followers. But the lack of personal interaction makes it easier not to care. Some of you just had a life-threatening surgery, so you put an emoji there, and you think that's it. That's not it. It's easier to ignore suffering from a distance. Technology removes you from the proximity, the problem from you. Now here's the deal. True compassion demands action, not a thumb, like, sad face. To say that you care but not act is not to care at all. Don't placate your conscience with a like or a sad face. It takes more than that. Otherwise, it will depreciate the relationship and your compassion. Caring is what I'm saying. is not a click. So caring isn't clicking. It's acting. Some of you might want to write that down. Caring is not clicking. In the past, you would have picked up the phone, called, visited, took some flowers. Now it's very simple to go, sorry. Two or three words. Liking a post, by the way, on the other side, is not loving a person. It's artificial. Number four, the fourth deleterious effect of media is it can reduce my, re my resistance to sin by glamorizing it. See, I've noticed that on TV and in movies, sin is often pitched to look good. Have you noticed that? And it implies that everybody's doing it. But they, I cannot think, I was struggling this week to, with integrity, think of any situation I have seen recently on movies or TVs that showed the painful consequences which surely follow sin and it reduces the, my resistance to sin by often getting me, in some cases, to laugh at the sin. See, humor drops my shields. They make it look funny. I've noticed also, I'm just being blunt here, no, blunt, that, 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 that's probably unnecessarily, I may, I'm being clear. I've noticed how media tends to show sex outside of marriage being fun. You think, when was the last time you saw a movie or TV program that showed sex inside marriage was good and fun and wholesome and the way it's supposed to be? It's all the other way. Unless, if you find an example to that, an exception, would you write me? The point is this, and here's the point what I'm getting to. We deaden our capacity for joy in Jesus with so much exposure to sensuality, banality, and God-absent entertainment. That's what I'm trying to say here. Number five, it can replace my relationship subtly. Let me drill down that a little bit more. I've slightly touched on that. Technology is changing relationships, or the meaning of that word. The term friend is evolving. And we become addicted to immediate affirmation. Click, I'll get a like. I feel better about myself. We have the power to do friendship now on our own terms. And people are creating online personalities often very different to who they actually are in reality. And they show their shop front window of the best part of their life, which, as you and I both know, is not all of their lives. And therefore, we start to fear and avoid honest communication when we, we, we want to filter our communication to show 
and shade it to show just the best parts. So my point is this, that technology can supplement. We use technology every day, but it'll never, suppl- it'll never replace personal interaction. That's why a great expense of the management, how Kim and I are spending significant dollars to go to Uganda to see our children and our grandchildren. It's nice to have Facebook or Skype or Messenger or whatever you want to use, and that's good, but that's nothing like being there in the flesh. A lot of kids have three parents. Mummy, if they're lucky. Daddy, if they're lucky. And TV. Guess which one's doing most of the childcare? Now, can watching um, technology or TV at night keep couples even from communicating? Yes. Absolutely. It's a good excuse sometimes not to talk. There's a lull or getting a bit hot in the kitchen, so you whip out your phone and you just entertain yourself and don't engage and walk away. It's a good excuse not to talk, and it's a, no pun intended, a phony form of intimacy. Just sitting there, doing your own thing. Very easy to do. And what my point is, it can degrade relationships. And if you don't watch out, it can ruin family interaction. Friends, rather than encouraging your kids, even from the get-go, encourage them in board games. Teach them how to play chess and cards and normal stuff. Discourage the stuff that they can play in the bedroom by themselves. Get on that early. Grandparents, get on that. Help encourage your kids as they parent their kids. Number six, it makes me passive. In other words, have you noticed how hypnotic television can be? You kind of veg out, which relates to the next point. It wastes my time. Have you ever felt cheated? Let me ask you that question. At the end of an evening... And you thought, what in the world did I just get out of that? You know. Friends, Jesus wants us to give a great commitment to the great commandment and the great commission. Not a mediocre one, not a pathetic one, but a great commitment. We have things to accomplish for him and we have one short life to do it in. Don't waste your life should be a catchphrase for us that should cause us to walk with fear and trembling. And the bottom line is this. You and I must learn to control our media consumption or it is going to control you. And I'm going to empirically show you what it does. Let me give you five ways to be smart about the ways that you watch and consume media. Number one, select what you watch. It is a mistake to just see what's on. Don't do that. That's a waste of your life. Because here's what I found. Once it's on, it usually stays on. And thank God we haven't got to the place like in America where they turn it on the moment they get up. I'm going, breakfast, um, TV before breakfast is ridiculous in my home. My mother would have taken my head off for that. I'm telling you, she'd be nodding right now. Ever played the game, on the other hand, flip the channel, where you just sit down for the evening and just keep flipping between one thing and another because there's nothing worthwhile watching. 
The Bible says here in Proverbs 15, 14, a wise man. Do you want to be a wise man, wise woman? They are hungry for truth. That's because that's what's going to last. That never changes. Are you hungry for truth? You have to answer that loud, but answer it in your heart. I do challenge you. Are you hungry for truth? You'll find the truth in Jesus Christ, not in the TV. A wise man is hungry for truth. Where do you get that? Where do you get that truth? If you're wise and you're hungry for truth, where do you go? If you, if you like bananas, where do you go to get the bananas? The banana shop, right? The grocery shop. If you're hungry for truth, who dispenses that? Where do you get it from? Wise man is hungry for truth. The fool, on the other hand, contrasting this, feeds on trash. Where do you get that from? Trash is opposite to truth here, juxtaposed. He's saying whatever feeds your mind is just as important as what feeds your body. And you are very careful about, oh, that fell on the floor when you're preparing that, Desmond. You're not going to use it again in the bin. You're not going to get that to customers. Now, could you exist on a diet of donuts? Actually, let's rephrase that. Would it be healthy to exist on a diet of donuts? Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely not. I know my, bro- my sons would agree with that. TV and much of the media is the moral equivalent to donuts. There's not too much healthy on there. Is that not true? Psalm 119 verse 37 says this. Talking to the Lord says, Lord, keep me from paying attention to what is worthless. Worthless compared to truth. Trash is worthless. So my point is here, select what you watch before you turn it on. Well, what should I watch? Come on, Ian. Does the Bible speak to that? Does the Bible give indication as to what I should watch? Sure. The Bible gives us a godly filter that it should all pass through. Here it is, Philippians 4.8. I've given you the short version. Whatever is true, that's related to truth, obviously. Whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure. Whoa, that's just wiped off a huge portion. If anything is excellent, nothing wrong with fine engineering, or good things, or beauty, or nature, or anything praiseworthy, Think about these things, such things. So if today you are interested, friend, in being biblical and God-honoring, if you are, how much does that leave based on that filter on the box or on a lot of stuff on YouTube or wherever else you go? That's the kind of things that we need to listen to. Whatever is true and noble and pure and lovely and admirable, anything praiseworthy, Number two, second thing we can do is to manage your media. And if you're using a TV, there's a grand thing called a recorder. A recorder. There are three advantages that, number one, you control your schedule. You're not up so late at night. You're choosing what you want first, and you control it. Never had a big day the next day, but you wanted to finish your show, so you stayed up late at night, and then you paid for it the next day. Oh, yeah. I think we've all been there. Who's in control there? You or the TV? Second advantage of that, of course, is you can fast forward through all the offensive or boring parts. There are. And that's a good thing. You don't have to sit there and watch it. You might like the show, but maybe you don't want to see some of that. So exercise that thumb in the right way. 
And third, which is very beneficial, you can skip those infernal commercials. Boy, that's a blessing. The Bible says in Ephesians 5.16, make the best use of your time, despite the evils of these days. And David Orsberg, as a famous author, said, what TV, um, what TV becomes depends upon you, the user. You, it depends upon that. If you accept it as a tool and using it sparingly and wisely and purposefully, it will become your servant. Here's the problem. If you accept it as a friend and you watch it and you listen to it continuously, it will become your master. And you will find your heart and affections go to that. Ever sat down at 7 o'clock at night and all of a sudden it's 11 o'clock and thought to yourself, where the heck did the evening go? Hmm? Manage your media consumption. Number three, actively evaluate what you see and what you hear. Don't go into neutral, which relates to the point I had earlier. Actively evaluate. Don't just sit there passively and automatically accept it. Proverbs 14.15 says a fool will believe anything. Remember, all TV programs come from a worldview, and they're trying to convince you. Somebody tries to convince me, I, first question I have is to them, they, they put a statement out, proposition number one, X. I say, where's your evidence for that? You should always be, that's a great question to ask. Where is your evidence? If it's at work, this is a problem. This is a gargantuan problem. Great. Where's the evidence for that? Where's the, and how big is this problem? So you always need to ask the evidence. TV is not your authority here. A fool will believe anything. The Bible is your authority for life. And for some reason, I've noticed this pall that comes over folks when they watch TV. They think it must be true. It's like if it's in a book, it must be true. Rubbish. That's baloney. TV cannot deal in depth with some subjects, with most subjects actually. It deals with images and sound bites and stories and vignettes. It can't deal with the details. And you have to cross-check with other sources. Be active, not passive. Don't just go, yeah, must be true. It's the second TV program I've seen on this. Like, for example, I was watching this this week, something about lectins. This is a completely different subject. On the, on the evils of lectins, which are part of legumes, which some people are trying to sell you, oh, they're very bad for your health. So I go, oh, interesting. Nice video. So first place I go is, uh, where's the evidence for that? So I go to Mayo Clinic. Mayo Clinic is reasonably impartial. Johns Hopkins. Check if you're that. And both of them say, what a bunch of baloney. I trust them. There's some science behind it. Here's where I get this principle from. First Thessalonians 5.21. The Bible says to you, test everything. Hold on to the good and avoid evil. Avoid untruths as well. We're supposed to test everything. You may want to circle that word, everything. Are we supposed to, therefore, are we supposed to test TV? Yes. And films? Yes. With a critical eye, not a passive eye. The point is, every program has an underlying point of view it's trying to convince you of. It is your job, friend, to discern what the underlying point of view is and challenge it. And the first question I ask, is it true or not? Engage your brain. This is part of loving God with your heart, soul, and mind. Do not neglect your mind. 
I ask, what does this program really say? In fact, when my kids were little, I used to give them rewards. We'd be sitting, sometimes sitting down in California and in those days, and we never had a TV until we went to California, by the way, first seven years of our marriage. So then somebody gave us one. And on the TVs, I'd ask my kids, what exactly are these adverts promoting? Is it the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, or, or accomplishments? And I'd get them to try and identify what is the basic thought behind these ads. It's a good idea to teach your kids. Ask your grandkids to see if they can identify them. Otherwise, they'll just suck it in and not see the underlying lie. If you just buy this, then you'll be happy. Now, here's a really key verse, which, I didn't, which is up here. I want you to look carefully at This is from the Scriptures. From your, from your maker. John is saying here, for everything in the world, the cravings of sinful man, what are they? Here they are. He lists them. So we don't have to go thinking. The lust of the eyes. Oh, I like that. Look at that. The boasting of what he has. My investment portfolio, my car, my housing portfolio, all this stuff, what he has, or what he has does, or what he does. I'm X, Y, Z. This is my job. This is what I've done. Or what he does. All that stuff, the lust of the eyes, the boasting of what he has and does, comes not from the Father, but from the world. That's the source of it. The world and his desires are passing away. But... The man who does the will of God lives forever. That verse is a very, very challenging verse. And next week we're going to talk about three underlying philosophies of our culture. And the result is Adam and Eve and the temptations of Jesus. Every advertisement is based on one of these three. Nothing new under the sun. So when you understand what's going on underneath these things, you can teach that to your children. And for um, You wouldn't send your kids out into battle without being fully armed and knowing how to handle themselves. You'd feed them to the, to the dogs. Take the time and be intentional with your kids and your grandkids and to influence them for good. So that they're not automatically sucked into being premature consumers. Eva actively evaluate what you've seen here. Number four, regulate how many hours you consume. This is a mind blower. In fact, I spent quite a bit of time this week on Excel and reading the various cross-referenced AC Nielsen and different reputable research agencies. Most people greatly underestimate how much TV and Netflix and Facebook they watch. And my guess is you do too. I would challenge you this week. You want to do something about this? Check this week. Monitor yourself. And get a notepad and ask everybody in your family to write down how much time they spent. You would be amazed. I actually did math at university. And I had to double check these figures three times because I still, I was incredulous. This could this can't be right. It is. Let me start with just one thing here. A.C. Nielsen says the average Kiwi watches 21 hours of media a week. So let's just take that. It's actually 2.9. So 2.9 times 365 times 81 years. You will amass 
nine solid years of 16 hours a day watching TV. Excuse me, 13 years. It's nine at 16, that's October, nine at 24, or, or 13 years at 16 hours a day. Imagine 16 hour days and spending 13 years of your life doing this stuff. Or if you don't sleep, you could do this for nine years. Solid years of your life wasted. So just over, uh, it is incredible. Tell me, where are people getting their value spending that much time? It's incredible. Now, let's compare that. Compare that. Nine solid years, 24 hours a day. Compare that if you attended church every Sunday of your life. Perfect record. No exceptions. No holidays. Nothing. From sparkles to, say, 65 senior citizens. That would only amount to a total of biblical teaching of 4.3 months. Yeah, do the numbers. I couldn't believe it. 24 hours a day to be the same denominator. You tell me where they're getting the values. We need to regulate the time that we watch and consume. Now, I don't have any suggested standard for you, but my guess is that more time is being wasted than what you think. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 10, 23, everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. In other words, you decide how much you want or how little you want. Now, I don't think TV is inherently evil. I think it's neutral. The point I want to make to you is just because you can do something doesn't mean to say you should. You and I could watch two or three hours of TV or consume stuff on media a day. That doesn't mean to say I should. What could you do with the extra three or four hours a day for God's purposes? Would that make a difference in your life? A couple of extra hours a day? The easiest way to find out is get Facebook off your phone for a start. Turn the TV off. And then answer, I have a question for you. Is there a topic that you've been wanting to dig into in God's word that you just don't seem to have time for? Or a person you want to have over for coffee. You don't seem to have time and befriend because you haven't got the energy left. Or do you want to have more time to pray and enjoy his presence? But somehow you just seem a little distant. Or if there's something as practical, is there a hobby or a skill or book? Or you know, something that you want to get onto but you seem to be running short of time. So if you want to make this really practical in your life, I have a question for you. And it's going to be different for every one of you. What do you think is a reasonable amount of time to devote to media and TV on a weekly basis? What do you think that is? Now, I could stop here for 15 seconds and get you to write that down. And then, whatever your measure is, measure against it and see how you're doing. But don't just put it up there and say, oh, not much, and then not do anything about it and carry on in autopilot. Number five. Think about the content you're consuming and tune in a new channel when you're offended. When you're offended. Turn the channel when you get offended. You don't have to get up anymore. There is a thing called a remote with batteries that now works with no wires. (laughs) The point is simply this. You only see what you want to see. Now that hurts. You can't blame anybody else. You can turn it off or turn the channel. 
So um, some erroneously have this idea that, well, we need to watch what the world presents so we can know how to relate to them. We need to know how the other side thinks. That's what they say. Belonging. No, you don't. The Bible says the exact opposite of that. Romans 16.9 says, I want you to be wise concerning what is good and innocent. In other words, not have any knowledge what's concerning evil. So God wants you to be innocent concerning evil, not trained in the ways of the world. In fact, God says, be holy as I am holy. I think we've forgotten this whole area of holiness. Why is he concerned about what we watch? Because what we watch affects our character. It's inevitable and it wears down our resistance. It affects us. Folks, when the government and the inland, well, in the States it's the FBI, when they're teaching people to, to spot counterfeit bills, they don't give them counterfeit bills to study. They spend ages with real, real dollar bills. So they know what it feels like. They know the texture of the paper. They look at the color and the grains and the details. They know the real things so well that when a phony comes along, it's dead easy to spot it. Dead easy. And they have a counterfeit because they know the real thing. A.W. Tozer famously said, people have lost their ability to blush. And I agree. My question is, if something happened in the middle of a show, TV show, would you flick the channel? Or would you keep on watching? Now, it's a bit ridiculous, and I have to be careful here because there's certain younger people here, but if somebody was to do something inappropriate, just walk in this door right now and start to do something inappropriate in this room, we'd be doing something about it. We wouldn't just sit here. What the heck are you doing? <laughs> we would. We'd have a, a visceral reaction. And you'd be all over peeping toms. But it's on TV. We're literal peeping toms. Whoa! Stop! Does anything shock you anymore? When was the last time you got up from your chair and said, enough? Actually, my wife and I have been in a movie. We don't go to movies very often. But sometimes when we do, I, uh, it wasn't so long ago that one of them, we just got up and my wife was offended before I was, bless her heart. <laughs> she said, we're out of here. There were so many gods and Jesus. In the first few things, it was ridiculous. And hang on, he's a friend of mine. Don't offend my friend, we're out. You might think that's ridiculous. Actually, no, it's not. Somebody offended your wife, would you put up with it and stay there? In a party? Somebody's ripping into your wife? No, you wouldn't. You would have a reaction. Don't be passive, be active. Because as a representative, as an ambassador of Christ, we need to stand up for his kingdom and his values. Use a remote. Flip, change the scene. Even if you like the, uh, the uh, let's say you like the show, flick it until that part's over. Don't fill your mind with trash. So I want to challenge you to go a step further this week as a disciple of Christ. And to confront the culture. Don't just let it wash over you. Confront it and push it back. Would you, will you, make a vow? Like David did. And he said this. I will set no vile thing 
my, my eyes, excuse me, I will set before my eyes no vile thing. Now, if you took that and you taped it to the front of your refrigerator or your TV, would that make a difference? What you'll be saying is, I'm not going to violate my soul by allowing things in, by participating in other people's sin, other people's wrongdoing that bring, or that'll bring me down. Because here's what I've noticed. Much of the TV, I like a crime thriller. The trouble is, I've noticed, over time, most crime-related TV shows, these producers dream all up all sorts of characters that are at the best psychopaths and weirdos and perverts. And it puts those thoughts in our mind. My wife often says, I would never have thought about someone like that. And she's out of there. It's true. It's seeding our mind with the wrong things. Why? Are these the best models? Why not instead think about things, quote, that's up here, from the full verse, from Philippians 4.8, ESV version. Finally, brothers, this is a capstone. Finally, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, that is the filter. Whatever, if there's anything worthy of praise, excuse me, I missed, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. That's where it is. I'm shocked that some people, even so-called Christians, let their kids go to some movies that I wouldn't go to as an adult. So some of you need to evaluate, what am I going to allow into my mind? Or am I going to let the world trample through it and make it a cesspit of debauchery, perversion, and ungodly values? Or am I instead going to choose to apply that biblical scripture that will look at that biblical filter because that's what I want, what's best, what God's best for my life. And that's what it means to challenge the culture. Let's pray. Father, I'm not sure I've done the, the best job of this this morning. But I know your spirit has spoken. Father, I need to confess that I spend too much time on the internet. And watching TV. Which has got which is devoid of value, godly value. Thank you that you have a word for this. And I pray that as we've looked at these items today, that will cause us to be wise, godly wise, and to manage our intake smartly. And as we close this morning, my challenge to you is would you say, Lord, I want to make a commitment to you that I will set no vile thing before my eyes. And would you say in your heart, God, I want to be a wise person who is hungry for your truth and not a fool that feeds on worldly trash. Father, Holy Spirit, Give me the desire in my heart. Change me today 
and keep me from paying attention to what is worthless. Holy Spirit, convict me and coach me on the things. Would you speak to me even this week as I'm watching something and something offends you, would you speak clearly to me? And help me stop watching and wasting time and money and my life on this stuff. Holy Spirit, help me to think about those things which are true, found in your word and noble. Things that are right and honorable and pure and excellent and admirable. Would you help me make the best use of the time that you have given me for your kingdom's purposes? Lord, your word clearly says that a fool will believe anything. Holy Spirit, be my counselor and help me to test and see what I hear against your filters. To actively evaluate and to challenge it and to look at it and say, is this aligned with your word and your will? Or is this contrary to your word and your will? Would you say to the Lord today, help me to discern and stop listening to ideas and worldviews that contradict what I already know is right, as you said in Proverbs. May this week we apply your word in our lives in the powerful and precious and matchless name of the one and only Son of God in whom there is salvation. Amen.